Coming up on AEA Amplified, author, podcast host, and AEA convention keynote speaker, Ryan Hawk. From the Aircraft Electronics Association, this is AEA Amplified, a podcast for aviation's technology experts, with your host, Jeff Hill. Hello, aviation friends. Welcome back to another episode of AEA Amplified. Sponsored by Avionics News, it's the monthly magazine for the AEA, available in print, online, and mobile apps for iOS and Android devices. I'm your host, Jeff Hill. Today is February 27th, 2024, and today we're joined by Ryan Hawk. He's going to give the keynote address at the AEA convention on March the 19th in Dallas. And Ryan, thanks so much for hopping on here with us today uh, as our industry we're only three weeks away actually from today is opening uh, is opening day of the show uh it's of course it's the largest gathering of avionics professionals from all over the world and the biggest training week of the year for the avionics industry so we're lucky enough to have you uh, as our special guest who's going to give the keynote uh, on opening day uh, at the gaylord texan which is actually located in grapevine texas and uh you certainly are no stranger to podcasting because uh, you're the host of the Learning Leaders Show. Um, you've produced more than 500 episodes, I believe, over the last several years. So just if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself, your podcast. Uh, it's now got millions of listeners in over 150 countries. And how did you get started with that? Thanks, Jeff. I'm, I'm, one, excited to be with you guys in person in a few weeks. So I uh, appreciate the opportunity. And it's cool to be with you today to talk through this stuff. Uh, going back, I started my podcast about nine years ago. Uh, I earned my MBA and uh, my company reimbursed me for uh, going back to school. It took me six years, though. It took me a long time to earn that MBA because I was working full time. And uh, also, <laughs> as a dad, and there's a, there's a lot that goes on with that. So I was taking one class at a time per semester. But anyway, when I got done, I wanted, uh, I felt like I was wasting money by not going back to school because my company reimbursed me for that. But I didn't love every element of the process of going back to some of the, the higher education elements. Like, you know, like you did it, Ohio University, get your, your graduate degree. And so I thought, is there a better way? Is there a better way I could get some form of a leadership PhD program? Because I was a leader at the time at a company called LexisNexis. And uh, I love the company, my team, uh, but didn't love the formal elements of, of education. So I thought, is there a way to create my own form of a leadership PhD program? And I'd been interviewing tons of people to help fill sales roles. I was a manager and running my own team as well as helping with others when it came to hiring. I also was a big avid podcast listener. So I thought, is there a way I could use some of the skills I've developed interviewing people as well as this medium that was not new, but definitely newer then than it is now. Um, and maybe people would want to learn along with me so I could publish these conversations I was having with, with teachers that I was getting to select instead of being told who I was, uh, the classes I needed to take. So it really started as my own form of a leadership PhD program. And that's why partially I called it the Learning Leader Show. One, because I would be learning as a student, uh, but also my favorite managers, my favorite leaders, my favorite coaches, bosses, uh, are those who are uh, never in this arrival state, but always becoming, and they're always working on themselves. They're learning leaders, and so that's why I named it the Learning Leader Show. And at the time, I did it just 
to, to chase my own curiosity and to learn and hopefully improve as a leader because I was struggling like most new managers. But um, uh, fortunately, you know, people seemed to like it. The timing was probably pretty good and ranked ranked relatively high uh, and, and Apple at the time and, 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 and fortunately still does nine years later. And uh, it's, it's created the opportunity for me to leave corporate America in 2017. And now this is what I do full time is, is interview people far wiser than me. And then I try to share the best of the best of what I've learned with others in a variety of ways. One of them is on stages all over the world. And that's, that's been pretty cool, man. So I, I, I'm very grateful for this opportunity and I try to work really hard at it so that I continue to add value to people's lives. And if so, then, you know, cool opportunities seem to come my way. So that's, that's, uh, I guess as quick as I could put, uh, the last, last decade of my life. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be great stuff. Can't wait to get you on stage in Dallas. And I know in addition to podcasting, of course, uh, you've written several books, I believe at least three. Uh, tell us yep. a little bit uh, about your work as an author, you know, what your books are about and, and kind of what, it, you know, just inspired uh, you to write them. Well, I think writing is the ultimate tool for clarity. If you want to clarify your thinking try your best to get the thoughts out of your head down onto the page. And um, that, is an, that is an amazing challenge. Uh, and so, it, again, it, it starts with what I'm most curious about. Uh, I am curious and I want to become a clearer thinker. I want to be a better leader and I think you got to be a clearer thinker. So it started me just writing lots and lots, like journaling and almost blog posts to myself, like long emails to friends who had questions. I'm a really a, a prompt driven thinker and writer, meaning you throw me a prompt or a question and uh, I like to try to answer it for you. Um, and so it, it, the first book, Welcome to Management, stemmed out of getting a lot of questions about that first initial leap from individual contributor to first time manager. Uh, that is a leap that a lot of us, definitely including me, have struggled with. And so my hope was, could I write the seminal book for the person who is a top high performing individual contributor? In my case, I was in the profession of selling and then then who gets promoted, but isn't really properly trained because most places don't fully help you with that huge transition. So my hope is you get promoted. The manager shakes your hand, congratulations, and they hand you this book called Welcome to Management to help you for that with that initial leap. And so fortunately, again, the, the again, the, the, the response was really good. And my publisher wanted me to immediately write a second book. I wasn't fully ready right away, but um, I got there and that's where the pursuit of excellence came. And that came out two years later. And that is more about leading yourself first before you can lead anybody else. So again, I got very clear on how to do that through the course of writing that book. And now my third one, I got to write with one of my mentors and great friends, Brooke Cups. It's called The Score That Matters. It comes out soon. And that's really about living in alignment with your core values and your purpose. It's a very personal book. We share very personal stories. Um, I think it can change people's lives if they're willing to actually take action on what they're reading. So I'm very proud of it. And it was an awesome um experience for me to get to sit side by side for two years with somebody I deeply admire and write a book with them. And uh, I thought that would be hard and it was hard, but it was super rewarding. And I'm, I'm excited for that to get out into the world. 
you know, there's so many people, I think, and I probably throw myself into this group as well, who who have a desire and interest to someday they say, you know, I'd like to write a book, uh, but they just don't know how to go about doing it. Do you have, you know, any advice that you could give someone uh, who's just thinking about writing a book and, and just kind of what the best way is to go about doing that? Well, the, the, the obvious and first part is to develop a writing practice. Um, I think one of the rules that uh, I've, I've heard and I've set for myself and a number of authors, ha authors have set for themselves is if you need to get those words out of your head onto the page, which you obviously have to do to write a book, create uh, a process to where this is like a specific thing you could do where every day or maybe five of the seven days of the week, you block two hours where you are not allowed to do anything else except write. Now, you don't have to write, but you're not allowed to do anything else. You're not looking at your phone. You're not looking online. You're not watching TV. You're not talking to friends. You're not cleaning up to, to, um, uh, to, to hold off from doing the work, right? Like you have, to, you have to write or do nothing. And setting rules for yourself like that could be helpful to get those words out of your head onto the page. Um, we all procrastinate uh, from time to time. It's that monster is inside of all of us. Tim Urban gave a great TED, TED talk about that. You can watch it. But um, that's a rule you could set because I think that's most important because we say we want to do it, but we haven't created or formed some sort of a writing practice. So create a writing practice and do it consistently. Just get it out. Then there are far other, uh, there, there's, there's so many other elements of the actually publishing industry and how you want to do it. Do you want to self-publish? Do you want to hybrid publish? Do you want to write a formal proposal and get a book agent and try to sell that to one of the big publishers? And that's the, that's the avenue that I've taken. But you can do all different sorts of ways. I have friends who have self-published and sold tons of books. I have people who have hired those hybrid publishers and, and they help get the book published. And that's certainly a way. And then again, if you want to go the, the, the other route of, of writing out a formal proposal and then shopping it to publishers, that's an option too. Uh, if, if you build up a platform that, that will, a publisher would, would take a look at. So, um, there's, there's lots of, 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 of elements to getting a book published, but the most important part is to get those words out of your head onto the page first and to create some sort of a writing practice so that you can get there. That's awesome. That's great advice. And, uh, I suspect, uh, without giving too much away, your keynote address uh, to the AA convention uh, will probably focus a little bit on, you know, just helping leaders be more effective. Um, I know that you've also developed what you call your, your leadership circles, uh, and you've got an online school that you've established called the Learning Leader Academy. Can you just give us a sense for what, for what that's all about? Yeah, so leadership circles are really based on... Um, I'm a big believer in Peter Senge's book called The Fifth Discipline, where we learn through dialogue. We learn through teams talking together. And so those are really peer accountability groups where I run, facilitate, teach, and then try to pull out the genius of each of the members of those groups. And so there's an application process. You know, we, we decline the majority of the applicants. So it's I try to make it the best of the best. It's, it's expensive for a lot of people, but I think it's worth it. Uh, we have a very high renewal rate for those. And again, uh, the acceptance rate, um, uh, I, I want it to actually be higher, but I just need to get help running some of those circles. So that is real peer accountability, regular meetings, pre-work, post-work, in-between work. 
there's a lot of people who are willing to raise their hand and say like, I want to work on myself. I have this never arrived, always becoming mindset. That's really what my circles are for. The Learning Leader Academy is online school asynchronous, so you can do it at any time. It's your own pace. There's 30 lessons that um, were built off the back of my first book. And there's some of the second book that's in that uh, Learning Leader Academy. And we're going to add to that academy as well. But the first one is pretty robust. I sat next to my dad and filmed the majority of those. And we had a lot of fun because um, there's there's kind of the, the elements of the videos and then the, the work that, that goes in, a, in addition with the videos are kind of set teaching lessons. And then my dad and I get to riff on each of those 30 lessons that we teach. So there's a little bit that's formal mixed in with some of the informal podcast style conversing that happens with my ultimate mentor of my life. So you get like a peek inside of that. And then, you know, you do the work. And fortunately, that's 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 gone really well for, for people who have elected to take that, too. And it's it's a it's a way to kind of enter into the this learning leader world. If you don't want to go all the way into sign up with for a circle that's going to be in some cases cost prohibitive for people or they don't want a full year long commitment because they have other things going on. So those are those are those are both things I'm, I'm very proud of and, and, and happy to, to still be doing regularly. And once again, we are visiting with Ryan Hawk here on AA Amplified, sponsored by Avionics News Magazine. And Ryan, uh, I think I've mentioned to you earlier, I'm, I'm a huge uh, football fan, both college and professional, uh, as so are many of our avionics professionals out there. They, they love sports. Uh, they love football. Uh, and you've got two brothers, and I believe you're oldest brother, AJ, uh, actually played 11 seasons in the NFL uh, with the Packers, the Bengals, the Falcons. He's won a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl champion. And so uh, I got a feeling you grew up in a very competitive household with two brothers. Uh, what, what was that like growing up with them in Centerville, Ohio? Yeah, AJ is actually my younger brother. Um, and so two years younger than me, uh, it, it was awesome. I mean, I, I'm super grateful for my parents to have fostered an environment of encouraging us to play everything um, and to compete and that it was okay to fight and push and strain and work hard and be resilient. Um, so our, our family upbringing was really one of, I think, very healthy competition. Uh, my parents modeled the way for what it was like, first and foremost, to have a great relationship, but also to work really hard. And I think that work ethic has, has been passed down to to both my older and younger brother and <clears throat> namely about being very consistent and showing up each day and getting after it, regardless of how good or bad you feel. It's almost more important to see how you show up on the days when you're not really feeling it. And so, yeah, I mean, I just got to go on a on a charity cruise with my younger brother, AJ, uh, the last week. We spent uh, one on one time in a small little cabin on a cruise ship. I mean, <laughs> It's funny, we actually just played this game of shuffleboard. You know, it's not really a game that guys our age probably play very much, but we'll find anything to compete at. And as we're playing this game, uh, you know, obviously we're brothers and there's arguing and fighting about the score and who's winning or not. And and some of the two of the two of the older people came by and had to actually check on us thinking that we were going to get in a fight. Um, but we had to tell them, like, this is just what we do. It's all good fun. Like we we still, no matter what. Um, I mean, I love him more than anything in the whole wide world. I'm amazingly proud of what he's done. He's earned every second of every bit of adulation he gets. Um, but we still, you know, are, are best friends and are going to fight over any any type of competition. So, um, yeah, it's just cool, man. I mean, it, it, we're super lucky. 
we try not to take it for granted. I mean, we went to, to sat in the second or third row of Lambeau Field for nine years, man. Like, that's the coolest thing there is. So um, we, you know, uh, I'm just very proud, proud of him, especially. And uh, still to this day, you know, I, I, I'd like to think maybe besides his wife, Laura, I'm his biggest fan. There you go. And def- definitely shows you the, the power of sports and instilling competition. And that carries over, of course, into into the world of business. And uh, um, you also uh, were an athlete yourself. You played uh, college football at Ohio University, uh, which is where I went to school as well. So we're we're fellow Bobcats and you were the quarterback uh, there at OU in Athens, Ohio. Uh, tell us about your experience uh, as, a, as a college quarterback and and I guess just, you know, how being a student athlete uh, with all those responsibilities, I don't think people are quite aware of, of the time commitment and the effort it takes off the field to be a Division One student athlete. How did those experience help shape you in your professional career? Uh, a ton. I mean, time management is one of the biggest things you learn as a student athlete because you just don't have very much of it, especially in season. But even out of season, there's still a ton of work we did, spring ball, winter workouts, waking up at 4.35 o'clock in the morning to lift multiple times a week to run, to go puke on the stairs of the convocation center where they played basketball at OU. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think for me, you know, playing football was everything because especially as a quarterback, too. Uh, there's so much uh, preparation needed to be done. Uh, you watch every rep of every practice. You're graded on every single thing you do. Uh, you're responsible for everything as the quarterback. And when things go well, you give credit to your team. When things go bad, you take ownership for, for not working. And, you know, I had an up and down career. And I think that was that was good. It helped me um, learn how to deal with, with adversity. It learned me, uh, I, I learned how to prepare. I learned how to get yelled at in front of peers to be talked down to, um, you know, to take some of that verbal abuse that happens at a football on a football team, especially, uh, if you're the quarterback and you don't win. And so, uh, I, I think it just made everything else easier. Honestly. I mean, I, 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 I was a, a sales professional for 12 years, and people get all uptight about rejection or hearing no or going into a meeting and your boss says something negative about what you've done. And I'm like, hey, I've had to sit there and, and be sacked nine times in one game against some of these All-Americans. Nothing is going to be as hard as that, as taking a sack and having to get back up and look at, the, look at my guys in the huddle and believe that we're going we're gonna to succeed. Not, like Nothing I've done in the business world is as hard as any of that stuff. It's certainly not phys- as physically as hard, but not as mentally either. So, uh, in a way it just set me up to make everything else much easier. So I, whether you go into the military or you play sports or you find some other source of doing something really, really hard, especially it's cool to do it with other people. I think that's a good thing. And as a dad now of kids, like that's, that's one of the reasons that we, we try to encourage any type of element of being on a team in doing hard things shoulder to shoulder with other people and failing from time to time and having to come back from that. So we're trying to encourage it. We don't force them to do anything, but we really encourage that type of environment, whether it's in sports or something else, because I know I, I gained so much from, from going through that. It feels like it set me up post playing career to be better prepared for all of the highs and lows that happen in in the world of of professional selling or just running a business like I am now. All right, Ryan, before we let you go, it's time for our lightning round and our final four questions, which are sponsored by Avionics News. And we're just simply looking for the first thing that comes to your mind, uh, why you feel that way for each of our final four questions. So are you ready? 
Yeah, let's go. All right. Number one, who are your favorite people to follow in business and who do you look up to? Jeez, we could be here all day. Uh, uh, Cat Cole, General Stanley McChrystal, Admiral William McRaven. All right. Uh, number two, what is your favorite pastime? Uh, lifting weights. All right. All right. Uh, number three, what's something people uh, would be surprised to know about you? I love reality TV, like Survivor, shows like that. Okay. And then uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? What age? Any age. You pick the age. I would say in, uh, your, in your youth. Your long-term success or failure will be determined by your who. Who will be your friends, your mentors, your spouse. Develop genuine deep, mutually beneficial relationships earlier in your life instead of later in your life like you did. That is fantastic because that's what I try to tell my 16 and 14-year-old daughters uh, every day. Do they listen? <laughs> you know, they actually do a pretty good job of it. I'm, <laughs> they they do sometimes. Mo most of the time they do. You're going to need uh, to teach me that trick because I've noticed they get to the age of where your kids, mine are too, that uh, there are moments where they listen and other moments where we get the, the nice eye roll, you know? So uh, it's like they'll go out in public and brag about you, but when you're home with them, they're going to, they're going to make fun of you and give you the eye roll. So yeah. uh, I've, I've just, I've gotten used to that now that well, I'm never going to stop trying, but that's just kind of how it goes. <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head. It's important who you surround yourself with and, and who you choose your friends are. And, and that's kind of what I'm trying to instill with them. So For great sure. advice. All right. Um, I, I guess I, uh, I said final four, but, but, uh, but I lied. I've got one final question for you uh, before we go. Uh, tell us uh, how, how can folks find your podcast and where can they get your books? Yeah, learningleader.com is the home base for everything. My podcast is called The Learning Leader Show. So uh, that's everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's on YouTube and every podcast provider, Apple, Spotify, all of them. So the Learning Leader Show, you either search that or search my name, Ryan Hawk. It'll pop up to the top. And my books are uh, Welcome to Management, The Pursuit of Excellence, and The Score That Matters. They're on everywhere books are sold, Amazon. But learningleader.com is a home base for all of that. All right. Very good, Ryan Hawk. We look forward to your keynote address coming up here three weeks from today on March the 19th at the AA convention in Dallas, Texas. And I do invite everyone to make sure you register in advance uh, for the show. Uh, and you can check out the complete training schedule uh, at aea.net slash convention. Uh, if you register by this Friday, March the 1st, you'll be able to save $100 off a of full attendee registration. So uh, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and take advantage of that. And, uh, and don't forget uh, that we do have a lot of upcoming avionics training courses. Uh, springing up here as we enter the spring and the summer months uh, at AEA headquarters in Lee Summit, Missouri. And uh, seating is limited. It's a small classroom. So check out the course schedule and enroll today to save your seat. You can find all of that out at aea.net slash training. And finally, don't forget about the AEA Jobs Board. It's got lots of career opportunities available at many locations throughout the country. Uh, explore where you might land next at aea.net slash jobs. And that's going to wrap it up for today. We hope you can join us again soon for another episode of AEA Amplified, sponsored by Avionics News. 
the AEA's monthly magazine available in print, online, and mobile apps for iOS and Android devices. You can check it all out at avionicsnews.net. Thanks again to Ryan Hawk for being our guest today. And until next time here on AEA Amplified, for our producer engineer, Aaron Ward, this is your host, Jeff Hill, wishing you blue skies ahead. So long, everybody. Thank you.